Hey, good morning, everybody. My name is Clayton, pastor here at Central. And man, if you're a guest with us, man, I'm excited that you are here this morning. We'd love to, to get to know you better. In fact, as soon as we finish here, after this hour and a half long sermon, um, just kidding, it's not going to be that long. And uh, I'd love to, to meet you right out here in the Central Hub, just right in the back. I'll be back there. And uh, man, just, just find me. I'll be the short guy walking around. And yeah, I'd love to, to hang out and get to know you um, a little bit better. And for everybody that's watching online um, right now, I just want to say thanks for doing that as well. You can be doing a lot of other things, but you have chosen to, to spend some time with us. And so I pray that this is uh, beneficial for you. And so as this, this video has shown, we are in a brand new series called Stranger Stories. And we're kind of taking it off and playing off of a lot of you guys recognize uh, some of this theme that this Netflix series called Stranger Things. And, and uh, you know, it's this sci-fi kind of story, this nostalgic 1980s set um, kind of a, a, um, of, a, of a story with talking about these, this town in, um, in Hawkins, Indiana, and there's a lot of weird stuff happening, and the government is involved, and there's just weird creatures, and there's a portal to another dimension called the Upside Down. It's kind of a cool name. And just, it's a, it's a weird kind of mystery, and you, so you want to continue to watch it and see what happens. Well, we watch things like that because we all love a good story, don't we? We all love a kind of a weird mystery because... You're trying to figure out what's, what's really going on, and it makes, you, it makes you think. But Netflix is not the only place where you can get a good story. Well, during the next month, we're going to be talking about some bizarre stories from the Bible. We're going to be talking about floating axes and foxes that are on fire and an assassination from a, a double agent and a sermon that was so long and boring that someone literally died, okay? And so we're going we're gonna to watch some of these, cra- we're looking at some of these crazy stories and I, I pray that um, they're not just entertaining for you, but that God speaks through you or I- into your life through these, through these stories. And our first one is a good one, Okay. And so the, the setting is, and the characters are, are goes like this. You have this king named King Balak of Moab. So it's not of Israel, it's of another nation, like a pagan nation. And he has this crazy magician named Balaam. And Balaam has a ride, and his ride is a, it's a donkey, okay? And so we're going to look at that today. And to begin, we got to go all the way back. Um, 3,429 years ago to 1407 B.C. and to the book of Numbers. Everybody's favorite book of the Bible, okay? So if you have your Bible, turn to Numbers chapter 22, okay? And I'm going to show you some, some maps to kind of set the scene here um, for this, this morning. So the, the first one I have for us is uh, a a map of this 40-year journey that the Israelites have gone through. And so if you remember, Moses is in charge. They were in Egypt for 400 years as slaves. The, the, you had the plagues. You have um, the parting of the, the Red Sea. They wander in the desert for 40 years. They get the Ten Commandments. And what has happened is that they've actually won some battles. They are, they are fighting all these different people um, that have these different small nation states, and they've, they've gotten this reputation for being a people you don't mess with. And there's about a million of them walking around wandering in the desert. And before they go into the promised land that God had, 
had prepared for them. So in this green area, if you can see this on the screen, before they do that, they stop somewhere. They stop right here, just north of the, of the Dead Sea. So the Dead Sea is right there, and they stop right here. Now, there's this nation with the king Balak, and the nation is Moab. And the people of Israel didn't go through Moab. They actually went around Moab. But the king got really nervous because of this. I mean, literally, if you had a million people walk next to your house, I mean, you'd be kind of nervous as well, especially with the reputation that you don't mess with them. And so they were concerned about it. And Moses led the people to this, this place called the Plains of Moab. And it's in Numbers chapter 22, starting in verse 1, that we read about it. So we're going to kind of go through this story together this morning. If you don't have your Bible, it's okay. We'll put all the, the verses up here on the screen. Here's what the ver- first verse says. It says, and the people of Israel, they traveled to the plains of Moab, and they camped east of the Jordan River across from Jericho. And here is a picture of the plains of, of Moab. It's an it's a actual picture. So here's the Dead Sea right over here. You can see Moab kind of off in the distance up in the mountains. There's the Jordan River on the, to the north of the Dead Sea flowing into the Dead Sea. And that's where the Israelites camped in the plains of Moab. Over a million of them all camped out right there, and you could see this huge horde of people from Moab. And the king was afraid. And one of the things he was afraid of is that he thought that the Israelites were going to come back into the mountains and conquer his nation. And so he wanted to, it's pretty smart of him, he's like, you know what, I'm going to get the first strike on them, okay? So I'm going to hit them before they're even ready um, for battle. And he knew of a secret weapon. And this secret weapon was a guy named Balaam. And Balaam wasn't near Moab. He was far off, and he was this pagan prophet. And he was, in, in that time, he was kind of like a celebrity of, of the day, okay? So if he was around today, he'd have millions of people following him on Instagram, okay? He had a ton of people that followed him and wanted his services because he was this expert in the art of, of, of magic and casting curses um, on people. And so look what, look what happens in verse uh, 2 through 6. Here's what it says. Balak, son of Zippor, because crazy names, okay, uh, the Moabite king had seen everything the Israelites did to the Amorites. So he saw what they, what they had done in battle. And when the people of Moab saw how many Israelites there were, they were terrified. And the king of Moab said to the elders of Midian, This mob will devour everything in sight, like an ox devours grass in the field. Then he says, it goes on and says, So Balak, king of Moab, sent messengers to, to call Balaam son of Beor, who was living in his native land of Pethor near the Euphrates River. And his message said, Look, a vast horde of people has arrived from Egypt, and they, they cover the face of the earth and are, and are threatening me. Please come and curse these people for me because they're too powerful for me. Then perhaps I will be able to conquer them and drive them from the land. And I know that blessings fall on any people you bless and curses fall on people um, that you curse. And so Balak's, this was Balak's plan. Okay, his plan was to hire this superstar of the ancient world. Okay, and so he sent messengers to, to help him um, defeat the Israelites. And here's a map, uh, another map of where these messengers had to go. So Pethor is not near where they are. It's 450 miles away. Can you imagine traveling 450? Or you get the you get the call from the king that you've got to take this message. Okay, you can't send a text can't send an email, can't even send a snail mail letter. You've got to travel 450 
miles all the way to Pethor to, to try to get this guy, try to hire this guy to come down and help you. So Balaam somehow has a relationship with God. Not really sure about it, but, but look, what it, look what it says. Balak's messengers, who were elders of Moab and Midian, they, they set out with money to pay ba- uh, Balaam to place a curse upon Israel. And they went to Balaam and they delivered Balak's message to him. Stay here overnight, Balaam said. In the morning, I will tell you whatever the Lord directs me to say. So he talks, starts to talk about the Lord, which is interesting because he's like a pagan prophet. So it's interesting to think about. So the officials from Moab, they stayed there with Balaam. And Balaam gets, gets some type of message from, from God. And look what happens in verse 12. God, said, God told Balaam, do not go with them. Like, don't do it. Don't go with them. You're not to curse these people, for they have been blessed. And the next morning, Balaam got up and he told Balak's officials, go on home, guys. The Lord will not let me go with you. I just can't go. And so they have to travel 450 miles back, all the while trying to figure out what they're going to say to, to the King, King Balak, you know. And they have to tell him. He gets really ticked off. And so he's like, you know what? Here's a blank check. I'm going to give you a blank check. I want you to go back up there again and, and try to uh, entice him to come back. And so this is exactly what happens in verse 18. But Balaam responded to Balak's messengers. This is the second go-round. So I don't know how many months this, you know, this, this story is taking place. And here's what he says. Even if Balak were to, to give me his palace filled with silver and gold, even if I had this blank check, I would be powerless to do anything against the will of the Lord. Get this, the Lord my God, which is interesting. But stay here one more night, and I will see if the Lord um, has anything else to say to me. So he does that. He stays there. They stay there. And it says, that night God came to Balaam and told him, since these men have come for you, get up and go with them. So originally he said, don't go with them. And now he's saying, go with them, but do only what I tell you to do. So the next morning, Balaam, he gets up and he saddles his donkey and started off with the Moabite um, officials. But God was angry that Balaam was going. I was like, what? I'm reading this, like, that doesn't make any sense. I mean, is God, like, bipolar or something? Because, like he said, don't go with them, go with them, and now I'm mad that you are going with them. Like, just, you know, man, come on, I can't win, right? And so I was trying to figure out what does this really mean? I think it's important to stop for a second and, and, and understand what God wants out of, out of Balaam. And so create this little chart for you to see. So in verse 12, God says, do not go with them. Then in verse 20, he says, go with them. And then in verse 22, he says, he says God was angry that Balaam was, was going. And so the problem is, is that the Bible is not written in English, okay? It was written, the Old Testament was written in Hebrew, and the Hebrew language has a lot more depth to it than the English language does. And so the way we translate it, we translate it simply um, in, into English, but there's, there's a whole lot more going on in the Hebrew. And so in the original Hebrew, when he says, with them, originally, in the verse 12, he's actually talking about being physically with them and mentally with them. So, hey, do not go with them physically and mentally. Or, in other words, don't just walk with them on this journey. 
I don't want you to be thinking what they're thinking. I don't want you to have the same um, ideas that they, they, are, they have or the same motives that they have. Don't do that. This is not good. They have something bad in store, and I don't want you to do that. It says, don't go with them. That makes sense? And then in verse 20, he ends up, God says, you know what? Go with them. But this time, he's not talking about mentally. He's just talking about physically. So he says, hey, you can go with them. You can go with them physically. And then he says, but only do what I tell you to do. And then two verses later, God is mad at Balaam and angry at him because he was going with him. So what that means is that Balaam said, okay, God, I'm going to go. But he had some like secret motives to why he was going. Does that make sense? That he had said, God said, I want you to go this, this way. And he's like, all right. But then he's like, you know what? God doesn't know this, but I'm actually, I got some ulterior motives. And God knew that. And God was upset. And Peter actually backs, up, backs this up in the New Testament about this guy named Balaam. Peter's talking in 2 Peter about, about false prophets and false teachers. And here's what he says. Hey, they commit adultery with their eyes. And their desire for sin is never satisfied. They lure unstable people into sin and they are, they are well trained in greed. They live under God's curse. They have wandered off the right road and followed the footsteps of, guess who? <laughs> Balaam. Son of Baor, who, this is how the writers of the New Testament viewed this guy, who loved to earn money by doing wrong. So God steps in in the story of Balaam to try to get his attention. Look what happens in verse 22, back in our story for this morning. In Numbers 22, starting in verse 22. But God was angry that Balaam was going, so he sent the angel of the Lord to stand in the road to block his way. So think about that. The angel of the Lord is standing in the road in the way. As Balaam and two servants were riding along, Balaam's donkey saw the angel of the Lord standing in the road with a drawn sword in his hand. And the donkey bolted off the road into a field, but Balaam beat it and turned it back onto the road. Okay, so that's what happens first. Then it goes on and says, then the angel of the Lord stood at a place where the road narrowed between two vineyard walls. So there's these two vineyards that are on this road, and the, the walls kind of came together, and they had to, they had to go through the walls or between the walls. <clears throat> when the donkey saw the angel of the Lord, it tried to squeeze by. It's kind of a crazy part. Crushes Balaam's foot against the wall, um, so Balaam beat the donkey again. Now, here's the deal. Back then, they didn't have cowboy boots on, guys. Like, they didn't have um, hiking boots on. They were wearing sandals. And can you imagine wearing sandals and your donkey just, like, rubs up, up against the, the side of this wall? Of course you'd be mad, right? Of course you would beat the, the animal, and that's what he does. And then it goes on. It says, and the angel of the Lord moved further down the road and stood in a place too narrow for the donkey to get by at all. And this time, when the donkey saw the angel, man, it just laid down, okay? He's like, I'm done. I'm not doing it anymore. He lays down under Balaam. And in a fit of rage, Balaam beat the animal again with his staff. <clears throat> so, obviously you can tell the Balaam, he's pretty stubborn, right? I mean, he is, he's not getting it. He's not getting what God is trying to do. But God, he's not finished yet. In fact, God has like one more card to play. And it's in the very next verse. Here's where the story gets weird, okay? Then the Lord gave the donkey the ability to speak. What have I done to you that deserves your beating me three times? It asked Balaam, okay? Like, that, that's crazy. So the, the donkey begins to talk, and God is talking through a donkey. And I can't, 
imagine what this looks like. The only thing I can imagine what this looks like is, is this next picture, right? Okay, so, so like this is what I think when I think of this story. Now you'll never think of it any other way, okay? So there's Balaam and the talking donkey, you know what I'm saying? And so that's all I can think about when, when uh, Shrek is riding donkey, okay? Um, and, and I wish the craziness ended there when the donkey begins to speak, which is just a crazy, weird part of, of, of the Bible, but it doesn't. It keeps going. Look at the next verse, verse 29. You have made me look like a fool, Balaam shouted. If I had a sword with me, I would kill you. <laughs> so he's like talking back to, to the donkey. But I am the same donkey you have ridden all your life, the donkey answered. Have I ever done anything like this before? No, Balaam admitted. People read over that, and I'm like, that is the weirdest part of the story, okay? Like, not only is the donkey talking, but Balaam is having a conversation with the donkey, right? Can you imagine being one of his servants in this story, um, the two servants that are with him? I mean, this guy is going, this guy's nuts, and he's talking to this donkey like it's, like it's no big deal. And look what happens in verse 31. Then the Lord opened Balaam's eyes, and that's really important, okay? The Lord opened Balaam's eyes. And he saw the angel of the Lord standing in the roadway with a drawn sword in his hand. And Balaam bowed his head and fell face down on the ground before him. Why did you beat your donkey those three times, the angel of the Lord demanded? Look, I have come to block your way because you are stubbornly resisting me. Three times the donkey saw me and shied away. Otherwise, I would certainly have killed you by now and spared the donkey. And so this, this angel speaks to Balaam. And this is an incredible story. But here's what this story is about. It's about God working through an angel and a donkey to impact Balaam's life. And I think there's three lessons that, that I see in this story that I'd like to share with you this morning. And the first lesson is this, that God wants your attention. Right? God wants your attention. God was consistently trying to get Balaam's attention and, and, and trying to help him to see the way that he wanted him to go. And I think this happens a lot in our lives. I think about my life and I think, man, there's been times where God has really gotten my attention in incredible ways. A lot of you guys know my story about, about being at West Point and God calling me into ministry. And it was just this, this uh, life-changing moment, this life-changing instant where I recognized and realized what God was, was doing. And something incredible happened, and my life has never been the same since. And you guys might know, part, know that kind of thing in your own life. There's been times where there's been some impactful moments where there's a fork in the road, and you look back and realize that was a changing moment in my life. Maybe it's a tragedy, maybe it's a decision that you had to make, or it's an opportunity you never thought you would have, and it has changed your life. And you stepped into that, you stepped out of something, but it was impactful in your life. But if I was to be honest with you, I would say that my call into ministry was not a single moment. But it was, it started way before that. Like God was nudging me towards something. And I was so stubborn and selfish and immature that I fought it, you know? It's like, nope, 
Nope, I'm not doing that. I'm not doing that. I'm not doing that, God. I've got my plans. I've got my way of doing things. And all the while, God is trying to get my attention. Has he done that in your life too? Has there been times where you finally something broke and something crazy happened? And you look back and go, man, God, you've been trying to speak to me for a long time. And I have just been, I've just been ignoring you. It's kind of like when you drive into Tulsa and they're always doing road construction, right? And they have those concrete barriers. When you see a concrete barrier and it kind of narrows into one lane and it starts doing this weird stuff, you know, I've always between like two 18-wheelers, you know, it's like, ah, and, and you don't want to run into the concrete barrier and you see some people that do that, you know, like just the tires, like, oh man, that was a bad day for that person. But when the concrete barrier moves, what do you do? You move with it, Right. It's guiding and directing you. And this is exactly what God is doing with Balaam. Did you notice it? In the story, there was three different opportunities for Balaam to get it, and he doesn't get it. The first one is kind of this easy, gentle nudge where the angel stands in front of the, in front of the donkey, but there are two big fields on either side. And so the donkey can take an easy detour and get around, and that's kind of what happens. And then the next one, it gets a little more serious, and there's vineyard walls, right? And so it kind of narrows, and so there's not a whole lot of room to, to maneuver. In fact, it gets so bad that, that his leg gets destroyed, okay? And so it gets a little more serious, and then it gets even more serious with there's, there's this narrowing passageway where the, there's nowhere to go. And so the donkey just, just lays down. And here's the thing I've realized is that God is fighting for your attention in a world that is so distracting, you know? It's so easy to, to overlook what God is doing and how he's moving. But here's what I love about God is that he's patient with us, you know? Every single one of us, we've screwed up a whole lot. And God is continually directing us and moving us and nudging us towards the life that he has for us. And yet, most of the time, we don't see it. But he is very patient with us. In fact, Psalm 103 says this. The Lord is compassionate and merciful. He is slow to get angry and he's filled with unfailing love. I want you to think about this, this verse in light of the story. Or put this verse into our Balaam story today. This is how God is. Even in the middle of that story, he is compassionate and merciful. And he's slow to get angry and he's filled with unfailing love. What that's saying is that his love for you is shown through his gentleness and his patience. And a lot of times that is in his, in his nudges, in his simple nudges in your life. And so let me, let me ask this. Is God trying to get your attention? Do you see God's, how, how he's correcting you and how he's nudging you? Or are you just wishing he'd leave you alone and let you do your own thing, you know? Which way do you see that? Because I think you need to realize something, that God cares for you so much that some of the biggest miracles in our lives is when he just gets in the way of where we want to go, <laughs> right? We have these plans, and we think it's so perfect, and he gets in our way, and he leads us to something so much better. Look what Proverbs says about that. Proverbs 16.9 says, we can make our own plans. Like, we're excellent. We're experts at making our own plans, but the Lord determines our steps. And I get it, guys. It's, it's not always, always easy. It's not always easy to say no to that person that you need to say no to. To that relationship that you know you need to get out of, 
but you're still in. It's hard to say yes to something that is kind of scary and it feels like you're, it's out of your control. Those situations can be tough, but, but God perhaps is nudging you towards those things and he's got a better plan for your life. He does. But God uses these detours. He uses these, these off-ramps. He uses these exit ramps, these lane changes to, to reroute your life and to change you. And I think that's amazing that God does that. He's got a plan for you, and he loves you. It's not against your plans. It is for you. But sometimes we don't recognize what God is doing. We don't. And so we get kind of sideways with God. And that's exactly what, what Balaam did. He got angry, which is the second um, impactful lesson that I see here. And, and you, you guys will like this one. Anger towards God makes you look like a donkey, okay? You can put whatever word you want in there, okay? But anger towards God makes you look like a, a donkey. And, and that's what happens. Like we get, when we get mad at God, what happens is we can't see what he's doing. We don't recognize. And so anger blocks all rational thought. And we can't see how much he loves us. We can't see how much he's for us and is, and is working through us and in us. And all we can see is the situation we're in, even to the point where we can do some pretty stupid things and we get mad at God like he doesn't know what he's doing. And that's exactly what's going on with Balaam. Balaam was the same. He was so mad at the situation that when the donkey responded to God's direction, he, he beat it. And he, he was so, like, clouded in his judgment that, that he even started talking to it, which is kind of crazy. And so God, in this, in this passage has things that kind of ramp up and get a little more serious and a little more serious. From simply detouring to crushing your foot, right? To finally getting in the way and the donkey just lays down. And you know, sometimes when God steps in your path, it can hurt. And it can change you. And it can cause you to pause and ask, God, what are you really doing? And when God finally talked through, through the, the donkey, Balaam starts arguing with him. And what I see about this is that Balaam, he was super stubborn, you know? Anybody know a stubborn person? Come on. Okay, yeah, me over there. He was so angry. He was so stubborn. And honestly, I would say he was, he was so stupid <laughs> that he couldn't even realize what God was up to. It's kind of like when you're walking a dog on a leash, you know? What does your dog do? Okay, if you got perfect dogs, I don't want to talk about it, okay? When you got the dog that is like dying and it's just like choking itself and it just keeps pushing and pulling and wants to go different directions and it, it's stupid. It does that because it doesn't know that its master has great plans for him and is trying to, to protect him. It's trying to protect the animal from going into the road and chasing that squirrel or chasing that cat or doing something stupid that can get it hurt. It just doesn't realize the, what, it's trying, what that, the owner is trying to save them from, right? And the dog doesn't realize what the owner is leading them towards. And so what the dog wants to do is just run off on its own. You see, Balaam, he was traveling in a direction that did not honor God. Even though God gave him a permission to do this, he gave him the freedom to do this, he had some ulterior motives. He had these secret agenda. 
What about you? You know, I could put that, we could talk about Balaam some more, but I think it might be better to, to put up a statement where we can fill in our own names. Where we could say, we could say something like this. Clayton is traveling in a direction that does not honor God in this area of my life. I have secret motives that are sinful and selfish. I could put my name in there. Could you put your name in there? Are there places in your life that you'd say, you know what? I am going in the wrong direction. And if I was to be honest, when God tries to direct my path, I get ticked off a little bit, <laughs> you know? I get mad that my plans didn't, didn't work out. I get mad that I had to say no to something I really wanted to say yes to. But God was working and moving, and I recognized that. And that's the thing. God wants to get your attention. And he's going to get your attention one way or the other. And he just might use a talking donkey, okay? Which brings me to the third impactful lesson for today. The third and final one, this one. That God loves to use the unqualified and the rebellious to change the world. He loves to do that. One of the reasons he does this is so he can get the glory, guys. I mean, he wants to use people that are unqualified and rebellious so it really shows the power of God. In this story, who was the unqualified? The unqualified was the donkey, okay? The, the donkey has no business talking for God or God working through and talking to the donkey or th through the donkey. But the donkey being unqualified was used by God to change Balaam's life, to speak to Balaam. And the person that was rebellious, obviously, was Balaam, but God still used him. And the story goes on later. We're not going to read this today, but the story goes on that, that Balaam goes and is able to speak on the behalf of the Israelites and God, speaking through Balaam, changed a nation and actually saved a nation, which is pretty incredible that God would use a pagan, rebellious prophet to do that. Here's the deal. You may be unqualified, and I'd probably say you are unqualified, okay? I am unqualified to be used by God. You may be a rebellious person. Maybe you're in the season of rebellion. Maybe you've matured a little bit, but we're all rebellious at times right? But the beautiful thing is that God still wants to use us. The disciples, the very first followers of Jesus, man, these guys were super rebellious and unqualified. They were not the best of the best, and they messed up a lot, which is great hope for us. Just look around the room. There's a lot of unqualified, rebellious people here. There's a lot of qualified and, and unqualified and rebellious people online, but God still wants to use us. But here's the deal. Before God uses us, he wants to get our attention. And you have to see what he's, what he's up to. You have to recognize his nudges, and then you have to respond. So let's look at how Balaam responded. The story goes on in verse 34. So we're almost done with the story, but here's how Balaam responds. Through all of that, all of that situation, the talking donkey, here's what happens. Then Balaam, he confessed to the angel of the Lord, I have sinned. I didn't realize you were standing in the road to block my way. I will return home if you're against my going. There's this attitude of repentance here. Don't you see it? That Balaam realized what he had done wrong and didn't just say, I'm sorry. He says, you know what? I am going to go in the direction that you're calling me to. I recognize those concrete barriers, and I'm not going to keep pounding into them anymore. I'm going to go in the direction that you want me to go. And my question for us today is, what is your response to God? 
What is your response to God if you recognize in your life that there are some things that you need to, to change? Is it, a, is it a humble yes when you, when you recognize his nudging, or are you stubbornly saying no? Because God, God wants to get our attention. And maybe today he's wanting to do that. And he has a plan for our lives. And his plan is to use us, the unqualified and the rebellious. And this is exactly what happens to Balaam. Our last verse in the story, verse 35. Here's what happens. But the angel Lord told Balaam, go. Go with these men, but say only what I tell you to say. Okay? I am calling you this direction, but, but i got to have your heart, right? God's saying, I've got to have your heart, and you've got to be following in the direction that I have for you. So Balaam went on with Balak's officials, and I told you, what happened, of how God worked through him and changed the nation. Here's the point. God can use anyone, even a donkey, an unqualified donkey and a rebellious prophet. And perhaps the day is today that you recognize that in your life. How do you, how do you know what those nudges are? Let me, let me stop there for a second. Let's just get real for a second. How do you know what those nudges are? Well, I think a lot of times it takes reading the Bible, okay, to actually understand those nudges. And so you read the Bible and you see where Jesus says, I am the way and the truth and the life, and no one comes to the Father except through me. If you see that, you see that not as just an old, ancient statement, but as a, a nudge towards life, right? You can either say yes to that or you can say no to that. All throughout the Bible, there's all these situations where you read a scripture and you just, man, it just mm, makes you think. It makes you pause. It makes you stop. And honestly, what you're doing is you're having to either say yes to that or you're saying, you're saying no to that. When Paul says, I have taken every thought captive to the obedience of Christ, do you just say, man, good job, Paul, right? Or does it make you stop and go, God, what are you, what are you saying about my thought life? What are you saying about the things that I am interested in, the things that I laugh at, the things that I gravitate towards? God, what are you speaking into my life? And you begin to contemplate that. You recognize God's nudge and his, his leaning in your life, and it changes you. Do you see that? That's how you recognize what God is doing. And we got to do that. God wants to get your attention. He wants to change your life. And perhaps today is the day that you recognize God's pursuit. And you've been far from him. And he's trying to pursue your heart and, and say, you know what, you don't even have a relationship with me. You do not know me. You know some stuff about Jesus, but you've not given your life to me. Maybe today you would, you would see this lesson and realize that, that God loves you. He loves you so much that he sent Jesus to die for you to pay the penalty for your sins. And all he asks is that you repent and turn towards him and accept that. Man, it's nothing you have to do. He's done it all for you, but he wants a relationship with you. And maybe today he's calling you. Maybe today is the hundredth, hundredth nudge that he has is, is put in your life towards that moment where you would say, say yes to him. And the great thing about God is that he is patient towards you and he loves you. In fact, this is a pretty crazy verse, and I'll end with this. In 2 Peter, here's what 
he says, you know what? The Lord isn't really being slow about his promise, as some people think. No, he is being patient. Why? For your sake. He's being patient with you. He does not want anyone to be destroyed, but he wants everyone to repent. He wants you to turn towards him. Maybe today is the day that you do that. You know what? Let me, let me do something real quick. I'd like to just pray over you for just a moment. If you bow your heads for just a second, I want you to think about what God is nudging you towards or nudging you from. And ask the question to yourself, how will I respond? God, I thank you for everyone in this room. I thank you for everyone that's watching online right now. And Jesus, I thank you for the sacrifice that you made and how we can read it and we can know that it is true and we can trust you. We got to make a decision for you or against you. There's no middle ground when it comes to Jesus. You either say yes to his gift or you reject that gift. And I pray if there's anyone in this room who has never accepted that gift, that they would say yes today. I thank you, God, that you are patient with them. I thank you that you're patient with us. Lord, we can't get in all the specifics today of all the ways that you're directing us and closing doors and opening up opportunities. We got every single person in this room, every single person listening to this knows what we're talking about. They know in their own lives where the Holy Spirit speaks into their heart and says, don't do that. And yet we do. Well, we know of opportunities where God is saying, trust me, in faith, walk this way. And we say no because we don't have everything under our own control. We can't predict the outcome in our own energy. And honestly, God, that's sin. And we need to trust you. So Jesus, thank you for the nudges you give in our lives. Thank you for even the times where those nudges hurt. And they're painful. But it's because you love us and you're for us. So Jesus, help us to see where you're directing us and help us to say yes when we need to say yes. And when we need to say no to some things, help us to do that as well. And that we can take a weird story like Balaam and this talking donkey, which is just so strange in the Bible, and we can recognize and see what you're teaching us and how you're doing kind of the same thing in our lives over and over and over again. Help us to see what you're doing and help us respond. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen.